Hello and welcome to this Net Zero Investor podcast in partnership with CCLA Investment Management. I am Aisha Gilmore, a reporter at Net Zero Investor, and today I am joined by Tessa Younger, Stewardship Lead for Environment at CCLA. Thank you for joining Net Zero Investor today. Thanks, Aisha. It's great to be with you. It's great to have you here. So the focus of today's podcast with Tessa is to talk about shareholder accountability when it comes to companies, climate commitments and their net zero transition plans. So to start off, Tessa, can you reflect very broadly on how the past few annual general meetings have gone? Happy to. In the UK, many companies engage with shareholders in the run up to their AGMs, for example, on executive pay, and new incentive schemes they may be putting forward. In the last couple of AGM seasons, we're seeing evidence of a much more proactive engagement over carbon management and transition planning. And these interactions are reflected in different approaches taken by both companies and investors in the run-up to their AGM. So we're seeing climate change, which may have been one of several considerations at previous AGMs, beginning to have a more direct focus through agenda items related to climate reporting and transition planning. Of course, in the UK and Europe, the AGM and voting on proposals put forward often reflects the end of this process of engagement. In the US, putting forward a proposal, usually by filing a resolution, can often be the beginning of the process, especially for shareholders who want to get company representatives or directors to meet and discuss any concerns. Now, kind of coming on to the basis of and the main focus of today's podcast, um, how do you think accountability to shareholders at AGMs can improve in regards to companies' climate commitments? I think both investors and companies are fully aware of the magnitude of the fossil fuel crisis and the climate challenge this has posed. We know the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has shown for an 83% chance of limiting warming to 1.5 degrees. Only 300 gigatons of carbon can be added to the atmosphere from the start of 2020. At the current emissions rate, this carbon budget is likely to be used up by 2030. So there's increasing pressure on companies to act decisively in the next decade to set out a transition plan to explain their decarbonisation strategy and to put this plan to shareholders for AGM approval. By doing this, it gives investors a mechanism for assessing company commitments, providing support for capital expenditure associated with decarbonisation plans, as well as express their expectations for greater climate action where needed. And we're promoting this in our engagement activities. At the beginning of this year at CCLA, we wrote to all companies in the FTSE All Share, together with other investors, the Local Authority Pension Fund Forum, Saracen and Partners and Ethos Foundation, asking these companies to put their shareholder, sorry, to put their transition plans to shareholders for approval. And the response has been positive. Several companies have already put transition plans to vote in 2021 or 2022 and others indicated they were going to do so this year. Other companies talked about board-level discussions they'd had on the plans, uh, wanting to engage further on the topic, or say they will consider it for a future AGM. None of the companies actively said it was something they wouldn't consider. So this year, we've engaged earlier 
to allow boards time to think about it prior to setting their 2024 AGM agendas. The focus this year is on 35 FTSE 350 higher carbon emitting companies that we consider face heightened climate risks. And correspondence went out to companies last week, and this was supported by investors with 1.8 trillion in assets under management. Great. No, so just coming off that, do you have any examples of companies who have done this and where it has changed their climate commitments to greater protect the environment? Yes. Well, Unilever was the first UK company to voluntarily give shareholders a vote on its strategy to reduce carbon emissions. Um, and we'd engaged with the company on doing so. They put the plan to vote in 2021 and committed to seek approval from investors every three years on their climate action plan. And what the shareholder vote does provide is a structure for accountability to shareholders. It's also time bound. So Unilever is due to put its revised plan to shareholders again next year. And we're currently in discussion over areas it's looking to improve in time for publication of its updated climate transition plan. We had um, also engagement with Rio Tinto, which culminated in its decision to put an advisory say on climate resolution to the 2022 AGM. For both these companies and others, it's, it's not necessarily about having a perfect transition plan. It's more about using the plan and engagement around it as the mechanism to keep feet to the fire and ensure accountability. Fantastic. And so now looking at this from a geographical point of view, is there massive geographical differences in where companies are operating as to how willing they are to put climate transition plans to vote? While the principle of shareholders having a transition plan vote is getting more popular globally, the uptake in different regions does vary. So um, in Europe, these votes have rapidly gained traction. In 2022, the number of resolutions doubled from 2021, um, and a large proportion of these are in France and the UK. Australian companies also showed a rise in votes from one company in 2021 to eight in 2022. In terms of voting outcomes, company-sponsored transition plans resolutions, not surprisingly, have tended to receive majority shareholder support although in some markets there are greater levels of challenge. Looking at um, all markets globally, there was greater challenge to these plans last year compared to 2021, with the average vote against rising from 7% against to 13% against. And last year, over a fifth of the proposals had opposed votes of between 21% and up to 50%. And many of these lower levels of support were at European companies and quite notably in the Australian market. This may in part be due to proxy advisor influence. For example, 2022 was the first time ISS recommended its clients vote against some plans. And just to say the regime in the US is somewhat different. Uh, with there being many more shareholder resolutions than other markets and a long history of this being the focus for company and shareholder attention. So this year, the focus of these type of shareholder resolutions has been more on disclosure of transition plans, but seven did ask for an associated shareholder vote. 
it's such accountability shareholders isn't just though about individual companies it really underscores the urgent need for systemic change across industries and economies and we can look to France for an example of such a systemic approach uh, last month the French lower house approved an amendment to a bill which requires listed companies to submit their climate strategies for shareholder approval every three years with an annual vote each year on implementation of the strategy. And Switzerland has also implemented legislation that means from next year, listed companies should report on non-financial matters, which inevitably will include reporting on climate risk management. And this reporting will be subject to an AGM shareholder vote. Right. So now we do live in an imperfect world. So if a transition plan isn't offered by a company, what other effective forms of voting at AGMs are there? Well, investors can use other resolutions to indicate concerns through their AGM voting. Traditionally, the report and accounts vote has been used to express dissatisfaction with reporting by shareholders. Uh, shareholders can also vote on directory elections where a specific director is considered to have responsibility for climate strategy. It can be on the reappointment of auditors if shareholders think climate change risk presents a threat to a company's long-term viability and it isn't reflected in their statements. And it can also be on, on the audit committee chair where shareholders consider accounting assumptions haven't been adjusted to reflect climate risks. However, Shareholders will also use their votes on these resolutions to express a, a whole variety of areas of dissatisfaction or concern. Uh, for example, if a director isn't considered independent, shareholders may oppose their reappointment. If investors think auditors have been imposed for too long, they may decide not to support their re-election. A transition plan or a transition reporting transition plan reporting resolution is clearer and less ambiguous. They're advisory votes, but they are public and send a strong signal. If a transition plan isn't offered by a company, it appears that directing the vote to individual directors has had the greatest take up by shareholders. Uh, to give an example, in July 2021, CCLA joined a group of 56 investors representing 14 trillion in assets under management, setting out the case for net zero transition plans. And this statement not only requested companies to disclose a transition plan, but also to provide a routine vote on its implementation. It also asked companies to identify the directors responsible for the company's decarbonisation strategy. And that means investors can know who to engage with, but also who to withhold support for if a plan hasn't been provided or is insufficient. And I do think it's important to recognise that voting on transition plans and director elections, uh, they're not mutually exclusive and, and voting decisions and outcomes on both can reinforce the message to company management. No, fantastic. And so my last question is to finish up this podcast, what has been the outcome of increasing investor encouragement of and support for transition plans and having a say on such plans at AGMs? First, it shouldn't result in investors rubber stamping corporate plans. And even where vote outcomes show majority support, it's been shown that 
three quarters of proposals that received at least 30% opposed votes result in company action. And in the UK context, a 20% threshold requires boards to report to shareholders on any actions taken to address their concerns. Second, it's resulted in greater level levels of engagement about how to formulate, uh, develop and approve plans. And we see an annual vote as appropriate for reporting on implementation of the plan with a strategy put to shareholders at least every three years. And that's in line with the current approach to remuneration votes on policy and reporting. What the growing number of resolutions and level of vote outcomes does show is the increasing, increasing demand for corporate climate accountability. It's incumbent on investors as responsible stewards of capital to use our influence to build on our successes, to collaborate with like-minded investors and work with companies to ensure we drive real-world emission reductions. Fantastic. I think that's a great message to kind of end this Net Zero Investor podcast on. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tessa. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Aisha. <laughs> and thank you to CCLA for facilitating this interview. Bye.